guys. Welcome back. Uh, today we're going to do something that I've been intending to do and I've also promised you guys a number of times that I would do it. Uh, we're going to look at a Greek exegetical study of Hebrews 1 and 1. Now, uh, one of the reasons why I want to look at this passage is because of its theological importance of what it says about Jesus, the Messiah, but also to be want to bring up a couple of uh, translational issues that we have. When I say a translational issue, I'm talking about how that the Greek text is actually translated into the English text. And, and I, and I believe that they were trying to, and I'm almost, I'm already premature. I always get premature, don't I? But I believe that what the translators were trying to do is bring into or emphasize what the Greek text was actually saying. But I also think that they kind of took away from what the, uh, the Greek text was actually saying by, by virtue of an insertion. We'll see what all of that is talking about. But anyway, let's just simply go into Hebrews one and one, and we're going to do a Greek exegetical study of this text. Uh, we're going to look at verses one and two, of course, one and two. And we're going to do this Greek exegetical study of these particular verses to see what it is that uh, the writer of Hebrews, who we believe traditionally is attributed to the apostle Paul, is trying to say about the revelation of God in a special or greater way through a greater revelatory agent. All right, but before we actually get into that, so let's get into the text, but before we actually get into that, let's look at the translation of that text in English. And we're gonna look at the um, NESB, I think this is either 95 or 2000, okay? NSB, the New American Standard Bible translation. And it reads, God, after he spoke long ago, to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son. Notice what he said in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also made notice it, the world, the world. All right. So, Notice now, first of all, let's just kind of give a little background as we look at the book of Hebrews thematically in totality and also in a kind of generic form, the purpose of it. All right. As we understand that we had Hebrew, that is Jewish Christians were having issues because of persecution and, uh, things that they were suffering, uh, because of their belief and faith in Jesus Christ. And so this epistle comes to encourage them as also, we see this about what, about three or four times to warn them, do not turn away from faith in Jesus Christ. And also threaded throughout the book is the reason for this, not only in the warning, the judgment, uh, the discipline that, that should come upon them and a form of judgment that would come upon them, but also in a comparison that Jesus is greater than the angels. He is greater than Moses. 
He is greater than the Aaronic priesthood. So therefore there is no reason to attempt to return back into the failed worship of in Judaism because the true, that is we're bringing in uh, Hebrews nine and 10, the true meaning of worship that God had given in his son, in the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus is greater than all of these things. So we can understand how all of this comes in the idea greater than Jesus is greater than therefore what stick with Jesus. So also, uh, we see this in the introduction to, uh, uh, in Hebrews, but it's talking about a means of revelation. All right. A means of revelation. So now let's go into Greek. When I say a means of revelation, the means of revelation by which the father spoke. All right. So let's just simply get into the Greek text and then let us do an exegesis on that Greek text and see what, uh, greater, better, or fuller understanding that we can actually have from this beautiful text, speaking of Jesus, but initially here speaking of revelation. Okay. The means of revelation, but let's get into the text. All right. So here we start off with what? Palumeros ka palutropos pale. All right. So, and, and notice we have a difference in the, in the English text. It starts off with God after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. Okay. But it's different in the Greek text when it starts off with palumeros ka palutropos pala. That is in many portions and many places long ago. All right. So, so the emphasis here is the writer speaking in how God gave his revelation. Notice, uh, uh, pala, pala long ago, how God gave his revelation long ago. How did he do it in many portions? So the first thing that we can understand is the revelation of God, or that is when we understand the word of God did not come all at once. And we simply call this progressive revelation. That is a little bit by little bit. Okay. And this is the idea progressive revelation basically gets its definition here in Hebrews one and one. So God Lumeros in many parts, a little bit here, he may have spoken to Moses in this part, or we understand even in the book of Genesis, and we're not going to get into all of that, but how he spoke to uh, 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 those in that day, many parts in Moses. Then as he began to speak through the different prophets down the ages, and that's basically what he's going to talk about here. Okay, but in many parts, and notice, Palutropos, that is, and in many places, and in many places, so, uh, or in many ways, that's the idea, by many ways long ago. So, in many ways, that is, he did not speak the same way. Notice, for example, and the Lord would appear 
to Abraham and he would speak to Abraham. And then the Bible would simply say, and the Lord spoke to Abraham. And then we'll find out that the Lord would make spe uh, special appearances with Moses and speak to Moses. And then he would even say, as a man speaks to a friend face to face. And then we would see, uh, even in God speaking from the mountain, remember Mount Sinai. So these are many ways in which God would actually speak from Mount Sinai. Or then we would have the revelation uh, through the prophet Elijah, when we have the, the uh, manifestation of earthquake or fire. And then all of a sudden, what? A still small voice. So God would speak in many different type of ways and even in many patterns. So for example, uh, the prophet Ezekiel, when God would say to him, he would use Ezekiel uh, and say, uh, take, take dung, your own dung and use that as fuel for fire for your food to the, which Ezekiel would later protest or telling Ezekiel to go out with his back his rear end showing as a sign. These things are a sign for what? The judgment that would come upon the people of God for their idolatry back in Judah. We know this was all of, with the destruction of, um, in the Babylonian destruction, uh, 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 in the time when God destroyed Judah by Nebuchadnezzar. Then we would, and even, let me give a final example in uh, many ways, or the death of his wife, that is the wife of Ezekiel, to that which he truly loved to also indicate how God himself would destroy the temple. So what am I trying to say? Paluminos in many parts, all throughout basically 1400 years of revelation in many parts, not all at one time, and polytropos, that is, and in many ways, God, God long ago, what? Now, let's get to the essence of it. Ha theos, la leila, la leila, la patrasin, in tois prophetitis. So what? Ha theos, God. Now we have the introduction of the subject, God. But notice what the emphasis was. The emphasis, as we see, is on what? Revelation. How revelation was given. What? Palumeros kapalatropos. That is, many parts, many ways, long ago. But what? The revelation, the word of God, Ha theos la lesas. God spoke. God spoke. But how did God speak? Toys, I'm sorry, to whom did God speak? Because we see this is in the dative and also this is the actual wording. Toys patrasin, to the fathers. God spoke to the fathers. But now here's what's important here also. In toys prophetas in or by the prophets. So what is it saying? In many parts and in many ways, long ago, what? God spoke by or even in, but I think the idea is dealing with through the agency of. God spoke by the prophets. Now, what is also important to see here is when we look at prophets, that is 
Taurus prophetas, there is the definite article. That's that word Taurus that we see here. So God did not simply speak to anyone, but God chose select men. And that's the idea that we get when we see that definite article. God spoke by the prophets. God didn't just speak to anybody and use anybody and through just simply anybody, but we see the idea of select men that God chose to speak from and in that, and the manner in which that they would speak is by virtue of what? By virtue of prophesying. So what we see is the revelation of God that was given in parts and in many ways, a long time ago. So, so it, bring, it sets us up for the comparison that is to be given, the comparison that is to be given. A long time ago, through select men, the prophets. Now, verse number two. Eska tu ton gemeron tu ton elelesein gemein en huioi. Okay, let's stop there. What? In last of these days. And, and, and so what they do is because the, uh, the translators are understanding a comparison that is being brought about. Some would say, but in the last of these days, and some would say, but in the last days. All right. But the idea is comparison in what? Pala long ago to what these days, the last days. And, and he has spoken to us in a son. So I'm going to premature and be a little bit premature in that because I want to deal with the last days, the last days. Okay. So notice he's talking about the revelation of God that is being given. That is the revelation long ago in the prophets and the revelation that is coming about at the revelation of his son. But notice the revelation of his son is being called the last days. And this helps us to understand what the last days is or what the last days mean. Because oftentimes there is a confusion and I hear a confusion too in which people call the last days, they're saying the last days are basically these days, that is this modern era, this modern era, because they see certain forms of wickedness uh, and, and godlessness and lawlessness in this time in which we're living in. And so therefore, and war and things like that. And they say this, these modern times are the last days, but that's not biblically accurate. According to scripture, even as you see it here, notice the last, ep escatu, the last tone, hemeron, to tone, the last of these days, a lele saying he spoke, hemen, to us in a son. So this last days that is talking about comes with the revelation of God as he speaks through Jesus. So when is the last days? The last days began primarily at the first advent. 
Notice the first advent. That is when we say the first advent, the coming of Jesus began the last days. And you can even say it in a proper sense, in a proper sense, the coming, all of this encompassing, come, bringing about what the coming, the death, the burial, the resurrection, ascension into heaven, the coming of Jesus begins the last days. So we can see and understand that we have literally been in the last days for approximately almost 2000 years. These have been the last days, but the last days we understand it will actually uh, accelerate in the coming of Jesus Christ as we move towards the end of fulfillment of prophetic things. But we don't want to get into that. That's why I didn't want to get into it. But the point is last days actually deals with the coming of Christ. So it's a elonged, elongated period of time. But let's go back to the text. Notice the issue also, again, it's about what the manner in which God spoke, what in comparison to the first, he spoke in toys, prophetos by the prophets select men, but what at this moment in time, he has spoken to us. What in we now here's the thing that, and one of the major reasons why I brought about this teaching today to look at it in the Greek text itself, he spoke in a son. Now notice in the translation in almost every major uh, English translation, it has in his son, but in the Greek text, the pronoun his does not exist. It says again, in we are no in a son. So we're dealing with the issue of quality, a qualitative issue. You know, when they translate, I think this is what they, they were trying to do as I was talking to you guys earlier, when they insert it and normally, normally, Whenever we have an insertion of a word that is not in the Greek text, normally in our English translations, they italicize that word to let you know this is not in the Greek text. All right. And so uh, 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 when they're doing dynamic equivalence, when a word has a sense of importance that's not in the text, italicize it. All right. Dynamic equivalence is sometimes, uh, 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 and this is not so much as dynamic equivalence here, but dynamic equivalence is when you're translating, uh, uh, into your target language from say, for instance, Greek into English, and you need it to make sense. You train, you use kind of like different wording. Say for instance, um, God is no respect of persons. All right. We understand what that means. But oftentimes when you see the Greek, uh, the Greek text will say, God does not behold the face. God does not behold the face. That is God does not tilt up your head to see who you are before he says what he has to say. And that is to say, God is looking at who you, he's reserving or he's changing or he is regarding what he is saying because of who you are. So he is respecting your person. And so the Greek, so we will, we don't say uh, as the Greek text would say, what God does not behold the face. We wouldn't understand what it means, but we understand what the Greek text saying when we do the 
uh, what we call dynamic equivalence. God is no respect of person. So, but this is not what's going on here. In we are by a son. What's going on here, and I think they actually dropped the ball a little bit here, if I may say so, uh, because it's dealing with qualitative. That is what God long ago spoke by the prophets, and the prophets are mere men, just men, mere men. But notice, but this revelation that God has reserved in these last days. So this great revelation, and we can understand this revelation being so great. Why? Because of the means of agency, how God has spoken. He did not speak to us in mere men like prophets, but men who don't have uh, 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 that closeness of relationship, but he spoke to us in a son. So therefore what the writer is trying to do is he is really elevating that revelation that God is giving to us by means of whom the revelation is being given of in a son. So what you're doing is what you're comparing what a prophet, a mere man over against the literal what? Son of God himself. So who is greater to give a message? You see what I'm trying to say now? And this is the idea as the book of Hebrews is working through. Jesus is greater than. And so what? Who is greater to give a revelation? A prophet, a mere man, a human being, a sinful human being, or the son of God himself, one who comes from God, who bears the nature of God, is the exact representation of his person. And we can see that later on as we work through, what is it, verse number three. This is in verse number three. Even we see this same thing in the book of Colossians. But the point is, the greatness of the revelation is because of the greatness of the person at first long ago in the prophets, but now we have the son of God himself, the quality of that revelation because of the distinction of the person being given in the son. And then it continues on to talk about, uh, to, to, to attribute attributes, uh, to, to speak uh, 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 about certain things about the son or this son through whom God is given this re revelation. Notice it says what? Han ethakon kleranaman ponton, whom he put or place or uh, uh, made, and some that's the idea, that's the idea, whom he made kleranamon heir Ponton of all things. So what is he saying about the son? The son whom as he comes into the world, God has given him what? All things. And the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is when Paul says all things are Christ. All things are Christ. Actually, he said this. All things are yours. 
that is the Christian believers, all things. Can you believe that? The wonderful grace of God, all things are yours, but he continues to say what? And you are Christ and what? Keep going. And Christ is God's. So, so here, let's go back to the text. So the heir, Jesus is that heir, he is the heir of what? All things, everything in the created universe. What? What? The father has given to the son, right? But notice, but he doesn't stop there. He continues on further attributing things to the son, speaking about the son. What? De who? That is, I like that. Through whom, D, through whom, who, that's what the who is. Through whom, I'm sorry, did I forget the ka? I don't know how I forgot the side. D, who, ka, a poison. Through whom also a poison he made what? Tus aones. The worlds, but we're going to talk about that. Not only what is, did God give the son, Hon Ethacon Cleronimon, he made him heir, Ponton, of all things, but what? Also, through D, who? Through him, what? He made a poison. He made what? Toys Aonis, he made all things. He made the universe, or sometimes you'll see it translated, he made the worlds, but we'll deal with that later on. So what do we see? A beautiful uh, 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 amalgamation of concepts that the son as the Messiah, this is what we see in the first part, the son as the Messiah, he made him heir of all things. As the Messiah, the, when we think about Messiah, think about Jesus the, and his humanity, Jesus coming into flesh, coming into the world as the Messiah, the Messiah. Jesus being given by the Father because of who he is and even so much Philippians chapter two, what he has done, the death of Jesus on the cross, subjugating his uh, 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 allowance, allowance in his own subjugation, his relinquishing, uh, not so much as, as a power, but his not using of his divine power, uh, 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 setting that aside and allowing himself to be made flesh and even to suffer the things that he did as a man, even to the point of death. And then we see this exaltation. That's Philippians chapter two, because he has done these things. So we can kind of see that in the first part, God making him what heir of all things as the Messiah, God giving him all things because indeed what? He alone is worthy.
because he has done these things. He is heir of all of these things. But not only that, so you see that whole sense of the universe, all things being given to Jesus. But what? This, through whom, through whom he made the world. So now we see something else about Jesus. At first we saw his what? Humanity. And now we see something else. His existing before the universe ever existed. And how? Because it is through Jesus that God made the world itself, the whole universe. God the Father made through Jesus. So what do we see? We see the participation of this unique son of God in creation, the participation in creation, that idea or concept in the Hebrew, uh, 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 of Hebrew Genesis 1 and 1, Elohim, that is Barah. God created, and only God can Barah, to create, to create something from nothing. Only God can Barah. And so what do we see? Jesus being an agent involved in creation, one through whom the father created the whole universe. So it speaks of something else. See, first we see the humanity of Jesus in one being given all things, air made air of all things. We can see that. But now we see clearly what? The divinity of Jesus. Why? Only God can what? Create something from nothing. And what? Who created the universe? Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But what does Hebrews 1 and 1 allow us to see? Uh, 1 and 2 allow us to see also how God created that universe through his son. So therefore we see what? The divine nature of Jesus. We also see what? How God created the universe showing that he did this through a son that is Jesus. We see his pre-existence before all things. All right. But anyway, let's continue on. Through whom, that is, through whom also, notice that Kai, that's what I skipped at first. That Kai, not only that Kai brings in that idea, when he brings in what? Not only is God, has God made him the heir of all things, but this Jesus, this son, also God, God created the worlds through him. But now let's get to this last part. Epoisentus aones, he made, that is God, through his son, made tus aonas. Now, here it is translated, the world the world in singular, as which would really is too is far too limited. It's far too limited. The world will make you think simply this planet, but actually, tus the ionos is plural. So, if you want to restrict it to in the sense of world, you would say the worlds, the worlds, which lets you see what it is not simply planet Earth that God made through Jesus, but every world, all worlds, in other words, what? The whole universe was made through Jesus. But let me talk about the word Aona. 
are on us that we have here. It is little too restrictive to think about simply the created universe that is this material universe. The, act, the word Ionos actually means ages, ages. So the writer is not only saying that Jesus, God, through Jesus, Jesus participating in the creation of the universe, but also in the times of the ages, in the revelation of the ages, in the bringing about of all things that should happen in time to the point when there will be no time. So you got to, okay, here's what you have to understand. In the beginning, there was simply God, right? God existed apart from time when there was no time. Time itself is a created thing because even, okay, let me just simply prove that very, very quickly. How do we understand time itself? We say 24 hours uh, uh, based upon what the earth spinning on its axis and then the year and the uh, revolution around the sun, things of that nature. So we see time as it has to do with celestial movement. So we understand seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years. We understand time in the sense of what? This created celestial system. You got it? So, and then this created celestial system, we can understand that's the, and I don't want to get into all of these things. The ages are in times are, are far past in the dealing with the time of Satan himself. The ages in the time of man when God created Adam and the different uh, 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 ages that happen once the revelation of Jesus come as we deal with what these last days, then we'll come into what the millennial once the return of Jesus, the millennial kingdom and this thousand year reign. And then it is at the end revelation chapter 20 of the millennial kingdom that we will have an end to all things. Revelation 21 and even second Peter, what do we say? There will be a dissolving of this universe. There will be a dissolving of even time itself. All of the ages will be brought to a complete end and we will begin with the kingdom of God, Revelation 21, where there will be time no more, where there will be a newness of all things. All of these things are being brought about in the sun. So do you understand the beauty and the power of Hebrews 1 and 1 and 2? The power of that, that in the sun, that what? He made the ages itself. In Christ Jesus, he brings about, he brings all of redemptive history through Jesus himself, that Jesus is the pinnacle of all things. And even in that, you can understand why in the book of Hebrews that he, the point, the theme point, Jesus 
is greater than. So what do we understand in this few verses? We're going to stop right here that the revelation of God, how he gave it, what polymeros, many parts, polytropos, many ways long ago. But, but the nature of that revelation came through what? Toys prophetos by the prophets. But now God has reserved even a greater blessing. And that's why God talks about greater judgment greater judgment because the blessings are so much greater to whom much is given much is always required what in the last of these days in the last of these days what he spoke to us what in in a son the nature of that revelation not through just mere men but through the son, tell me about that son. He is the heir of all things. But even tell me something about that son. He is the God who, through whom God the Father created the universe. And what? All of redemptive history is somehow in the son. It, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to deal with that, but it blows our mind. But anyway, thanks for joining me with all of that. We're going to simply stop right here. Uh, and, and from time to time, we'll even do other studies, whether in Hebrew or in the Greek text. But I hope your soul was blessed in that teaching. And if this teaching has been a blessing to your heart, consider supporting this ministry. All right, God bless you, see you later.